Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. The final chapter, chapter 6, in the life of Pope Pius XII, the Pope of peace. This was the dawn, the silence, and the prayers. Almighty God, we beseech thee in thy mercy to spare thy servant, whom we love so dearly. This was the way it was, as the pale shadows around St. Peter's Square grew darker on this, the ninth day of October, 1958. This was the way it was, in the chill of the Roman dawn. Then the word came. The Supreme Pontiff is dead. Pius XII, the most esteemed and venerated man in the world, one of the greatest pontiffs of the century, with sanctity, passed away at 3.52 a.m. Let the unanimous prayers for the repose of his lofty soul, which today passed into eternal bliss, rise from the hearts of all faithful and the entire world. So now he was dead. 
Eugenio Pacelli, at the age of 82. His papal reign of nearly 20 years, culminating in the passing of his immortal soul into the loving care of the one he had served for so long as our Lord's vicar on earth. When he died, a light went out in this world and a new star was lit in heaven. It happened in the simple, unadorned bedroom on the second floor at the rear of the papal palace of Castel Gandolfo, 17 miles from the Vatican, in the Alban Hills. And here, the Holy Father's last words were uttered. Pray, pray, pray that this unhappy situation for the church may soon end. From Moscow, there was no comment. The Russian radio announced the Pope's death, but that was all. It made no comment. Asked for one by foreign newspapermen, a Moscow spokesman said, We know nothing about it. The bells tolled in Rome with the passing of this saintly man, each vibration carrying the echo of his long years of defense of the church against its enemies. He knew fascism and Nazism for what they were, and he knew communism for what it was. In such a doctrine, there is no room for the idea of God. Thus, man's liberty is destroyed and every right of the human person is denied. He prayed and worked for peace among nations and among men. But if peace does not come, we are prepared to defend our liberties in the name of the Almighty. He favored no nationality. He believed that in the sight of God, there was no nationality. That in heaven, none could exist. He loved all men, regardless of their faith, their race, or the color of their skin. He prayed for them all, even his worst enemies. This man, while lying on his sickbed, one saw a vision of Christ standing near him. He is dead now. How best is such a man remembered? Millions of people across the world must have wondered this. How must I remember him? How must you for as he takes his place in history, it must occur to us that he was history itself.
Is he best remembered in the dark days that followed the end of World War I? Standing alone, fingering the cross, and facing a communist mob in Germany, his life threatened? Or in the darker days of World War II, when he stood against Hitler and Mussolini, and later walked where the bombs had fallen on Rome to bring comfort to the suffering? Or shall he be remembered as the youth who, on the point of being ordained a priest, suddenly felt himself too unworthy. He drove himself almost to the stage of renouncing his intention to become a priest because he felt unworthy, because he felt he did not measure up to the responsibilities of priesthood. As a priest, he would stand between God and man with a power to judge and pardon sins. It was too much. And then he turned to God in prayer. And the answer came from heaven. Father, almighty God in heaven, forgive my weakness. Forgive my stupidity. I realize now that it is not I who listen to confessions. It is not I who will judge sin and pardon it. It is you, Father, the you within me who will do all this. It is not I who will listen and judge. It is you who will make use of my ears and my voice. And so I will never be alone and afraid or labor under burdens too heavy for me. For you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will be with me and within me as long as I entreat you to stay with me. And it will be you in your mercy who will bring souls to heaven. And my part will be no more than that of an instrument, an instrument that has certain value, but which of itself is nothing. For your hand must guide it and make use of it. O oh, Father, I beseech you for the strength to become thy most humble servant in my service to thee. With a great reverence should one ascend to the office of priesthood. Eugenio Pacelli felt this reverence most profoundly when he became a priest forever, the instrument of Christ. And to this, he dedicated his life. Or should this man be remembered for his brilliant and scholarly mind? For he believed that a keen mind was a tool for keeping oneself attuned to the mind of God. He proclaimed dogmas of the church so that even the simplest man, woman, or child could understand them. He must be remembered 
for his great love for children. He loved them. He loved to watch them at play. The sight of a child would always light up his face. And in days when the burden of his office was almost too much to bear, and when the dark state of the world would weigh down his heart with sadness, he would go to where he could see children, and the sight of them would bring a warm comfort to him. How often he must have thought of our Lord's own words. Suffer the little children to come unto me. If his papal reign was marked by extraordinary greatness, it was no less marked by his love of simplicity and his sense of the practical. March 25th, the year 1957. March 25th, 1957. On that day, the Vatican announced a most historic action by the Holy Father. His Holiness, Pius XII, after great deliberation, has changed the rules on fasting before Holy Communion. Believing this change will help many Catholics to receive the sacrament much more frequently. Under this new ruling, Catholics are now permitted to eat solid foods up to three hours before taking Holy Communion. Liquids may be taken up to one hour before communion, provided they are not of alcoholic nature. And water may be taken any time before Holy Communion. Now the bells of Rome toll, and the church will mourn nine days because Pius XII has passed away. Vatican City, October 11th, 1958. The crowds have gathered in St. Peter's Square, silent and tearful, for the Holy Father lies in state in a simple cypress coffin in the center of the candlelit basilica of St. Peter's. Today and tomorrow, people by the hundreds of thousands will pass by the coffin in silent tribute to this most saintly of men whom they all loved. Swiss guards and noblemen watch over the scene. They have maintained their vigil all through the night and will continue to keep it until the end. It began yesterday. Yesterday, when the coffin was brought from the Castel Gandolfo, it arrived in St. Peter's Square at dusk, in the twilight. And 400,000 people stood there with bowed heads, some praying, some weeping, as the Holy Father came home. They say he is dead. But death 
is only the mysterious gateway to everlasting life for those who have loved Christ. Only his earthly remains rest in the cypress coffin. And this coffin is now placed in another one made of lead. In turn, the cypress and the lead coffins are placed in a third one made of elm wood. And still, even in a triple coffin, only the earthly form of the Holy Father exists for a time. They have placed 19 coins in the coffin, coins minted for the Vatican, specifying the year, so that in centuries yet to come, people will have no difficulty identifying the remains of the Holy Father. Vatican City, Monday, October 13th, 1958. It is the noon hour. The great doors of the Basilica have been closed to the public. Still, 10,000 persons, church dignitaries, family, foreign delegates from the Christian world and Vatican personnel will witness the burial service inside the Basilica. There are television cameras there. And those who knew him know the Holy Father would have smiled indulgently at the cameras. He who had made such divine use of radio to bring comfort to prisoners of war and their families. And who had used this modern means of communication to broadcast his messages to all the world. Now, he lies in the crypt of St. Peter's, close to the tomb of the Apostle Peter himself. What was it he once said? I was so very pleased that I had the opportunity to visit the United States. You know, it seems to me the church does very well in democratic countries. Democracy had a spiritual meaning for the Holy Father, for it embraced all men. I believe this is the first occasion in the history of the organized Jewish community that such a demonstration of sympathy has been made. And this is expressive of the profound regard in which His Holiness the Pope was held by the Jewish community which recalls with gratitude the help and refuge he gave to refugees of all races during World War II. And from the White House? Pius XII gave a full lifetime of devotion to God and service to his fellow men. I was privileged to know him personally. 
with men of goodwill everywhere, I mourn his passing. He was an informed and articulate foe of tyranny. He was a sympathetic friend and benefactor to those who were oppressed, and his helping hand was always quick to aid the unfortunate victims of war. Without fear or favor, he consistently championed the cause of just peace among the nations of the earth. A man of profound vision, he kept pace with a rapidly changing universe, yet never lost sight of man's eternal destiny. These were the words of President Eisenhower. And so, he is gone from us. Pius the Twelfth. St. Peter's Square is crowded again. Once more, after almost 20 years, the cardinals are sealed off inside the Vatican. And the crowd waits. Thousands who waited but a few short days before, wait again. They wait with reverent eagerness their eyes fastened on a small chimney. There is a spiral of white smoke coming from it. And again, after nearly 20 years, a cardinal wearing a scarlet ceremonial robe appears on the Vatican balcony. I announce to you tidings of great joy. We have a new pope. He is my revered lord, Angelo Giuseppe, Cardinal Roncalli. He will take the name John. Bishop of Rome. Vicar of Jesus Christ, Pontiff of the Universal Church, Patriarch of the West, Primate of Italy, Archbishop of Rome Province, Sovereign of the State of Vatican City. And so with the passing of Pius XII, Another man assumes papal office, and the long, unbroken line of succession of popes continues. What sort of a man is this one who has been chosen to fill the place of Pius? He shares many of the late pope's virtues. He is a man of the people, born the son of a farmer, he is well-traveled. He speaks several languages. And during the First World War, he was military chaplain in the hospitals of his diocese, near the front line of fighting. He knows the Balkans and Middle East, and was the apostolic delegate in Bulgaria. He understands Russian. He pleased the Turkish authorities by insisting that Catholic priests make use of Turkish in their church services. During World War II, Pius XII appointed him papal nuncio of France. 
This, then, is the man chosen by his colleagues to fill the place once occupied by Pius XII. The burdens which rested on the shoulders of Pius now rest on the shoulders of Pope John XXIII. The first burden is dealing with the governments of the world. The second is that of dealing with communism and its violent hatred of the church. The third is dealing with the poor and oppressed of the world, especially in Asia. But the cardinals who chose him did so confident that he is equipped to face the task ahead of him. There came a man from God whose name was John. And this man is John the 23rd. just listened to chapter six, the final chapter in the story of His Holiness, the late Pope Pius XII. I want to thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore, attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour Productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need, please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore, Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen. <laughs>